I have to tell the people about the Patreon. Yes, you do. Patreon.com slash SMDB. SMDB, like so many damn books. For just a dollar, you can join up and you get access to all the exclusive content that I record just for the Patreon. Also, you get to join the book club. Oh, the yeah. So Many Damn Books book club. It's been some of the best conversations I've had about books. It really always sounds like a blast. I usually like come home and just hear like giggles coming from the library. So it's a great time. You should join. And I would love to have more people join the fray. You may or may not know that Christopher runs this whole show himself on the hosting side, on the technical side, everything. This is a one-man show, truly. He does it all. Support your boy Christopher. Even at the dollar level really helps. So uh, join up. Patreon.com slash SMDB. I'd love to have you. Patreon.com slash SMDB. On with the show. Am I allowed to say that on a podcast? Absolutely. It's fine. Yeah. It's not like radio. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just reassured myself. So many, so many, so many damn books. Welcome to So Many Damn Books. That was really good, man. Thank you. I'm proud of myself for it. <laughs> I'm Christopher. I'm Drew. <laughs> and today we have Julie Bunton uh, with us in the damn library. Hi, Julie. Hi. Thanks Hi. for coming. Thanks. I'm really happy to be here. Uh, I'm glad I'm glad about that because we are happy to have you. Um, Julie Bunton is from northern Michigan. Her work has appeared in The Atlantic and Cosmopolitan and O and Electric Literature and One Teen Story. That's awesome. They're great. Thanks. Among other places. Um, and you teach fiction at Marymount Manhattan College and direct the writing program at Catapult and you live in Brooklyn and you wrote Marlena. Yes. And you do all this stuff. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. It's good. It's good to do things. But sometimes you're like, what? What? <laughs> what am I doing? I have no time. I'm dying. But it's good. <laughs> I'm going to drink now. Very good. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you about what's in this drink. Oh, yes. Please do. Mm. So this is called a spicy bob, which is a reference to Marlena, if you've read the book. Um, <laughs> it's a reference to a pizza place in Silver Lake. Um, is it a real pizza place? Do, you know, I what? can't... There, I thought I had a pizza place in my mind from my hometown area, but the name... No, no. Yes and no. I don't know. What is fiction? <laughs> <laughs> That's like the whole theme of, of my life. What is fiction? What is fiction? Kind well, of. this is real. This drink is real. And it's made with uh, whiskey and um, fancy ginger ale. I was I was thinking like a it's seven and seven. fancy. Uh, because... <laughs> I don't know, like, it just made me think of, like, a sort of cocktail that you would drink if you were early in drinking in, in high school, as as these um, two friends are in your book. Mm-hmm. And uh, But I wanted to fancy it up a little bit, and I saw this awesome uh, ginger ale that already had Meyer lemon and blood orange in it, which it you is. should definitely... The most to. fancy citrus that you, like, <laughs> cannot get. Yeah, Meyer lemon and blood yeah. orange. Yeah, the two... Yeah, exactly. And then I added more fresh ginger and another squeeze of fresh lemon... Um, and then topped it off with spicy bitters. It's really good. So that is the drink, and you should make one pause and go. So that it can also be reality for you. Yeah. (laughs) As opposed to fiction. Yeah. I love love the idea that someone stops um, in the middle of their, like, 
1 p.m. day, and they're like, all right, time to make the drink from somebody. <laughs> they told me to do it on the Also, show. to get that highly specific ginger ale. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, um, it's, a, it's in Brooklyn, so if you're a Brooklyn listener, this is uh, It's probably the only real. place you can get it. <laughs> um, they, they make it around here. Anyway, so that's the drink. Uh, cheers, everybody. Woo! Cheers. And I want to talk now about books we bought. Yes. Nice. Because that's what happens on our show next. It does. Drew, you talk for a while. Okay. Um, <laughs> I I just got uh, my latest in the Indispensable subscription from the lovely Powell's in Portland. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's Stephen Florida. Uh, by Gabe Habash. Hab- Habash. Habash. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> who has a connection to you, which I didn't realize until I read the acknowledgments of oh, your book. Really and I funny. was like, oh, interesting. <laughs> um, I'm so excited to read it. It looks so cool. It's getting a ton of, like, it's a great sports book. It's a wrestling book, which I feel like I haven't really ever read. Oh, um, just to clarify that connection they're married oh yes <laughs> we, we <didn't. laughs> that's good i didn't actually say it out loud did i <laughs> you didn't that's all right it's a surprise you get to the end of the book you read the acknowledgements and you're like that's what drew was talking about yeah that's it's not a great payoff but yeah. <laughs> yep uh, uh that sounds great i'm excited about that book too yeah probably, i mean i've read, read it, it s- 12 <laughs> times and i can say that it is great I, I think, I mean, but like you can't take my word for it probably because I'm obviously biased. I think it's great. Well, I think it's like so good that when I first finished it, I was jealous actually. Ooh. I was like, fuck. That's oh, exciting. I hope you like it. Yeah. I want to read it like next. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just feels like a good summer book. Yeah. So do you want to talk about what you bought, Julie? Yeah, sure. Um, The first thing that's popping into my head, I think I was going to, I was telling these guys off offline off air <laughs> that i'm incredibly tired right now so like i could say anything and who knows what it'll be like uh but i so i was gonna talk about this annie dillard book that i bought which is, i've never read annie dillard before though she's been recommended to me many times but i can't remember the title <laughs> the, the word stone is in it so i'm not even gonna talk about that just forget i said it right, fair enough um, okay the, Didn't the last <laughs> book that i bought that i remember is violation by sally tilsdale uh an essay collection that was recommended to me by my friend chloe caldwell uh and she recommended it to me. She sent me this PDF of an essay that's in the book about um, writing about people that you know and kind of the complications and messiness of that and whether it's ethically wrong, but how it can't be helped and sort of Sally's experience experiences with her family. And then I read the first essay in the book, which is about working in an abortion clinic and is amazing. It's cool. so good. Um, really like complicated and dark and smart and really takes on a lot of issues about you know abortion whether it's good whether it's bad she's i mean she's pro-choice but yeah interesting stuff really interesting wow christopher oh yeah i bought um i actually bought a i bought a book i do that sometimes um i bought this book called door to door the magnificent maddening mysterious world of transportation by edward humes and it's got a Mary <laughs> I would Rooch. never read that. Ma- Mary Rooch. <laughs> so, yeah. It, um, it's one of these things where I, I love, like, a like a if you really think about it, like, everything's about freeways. Like, you know, like, these yeah. sort of, like, uh, yeah. ideas that if, if you just looked at one thing, you would be able to figure everything else out. Um, types of books. 
And um, I, I was reading the first chapter of this in a bookstore and I was just like gripped by just like this, <laughs> this uh, analysis of California traffic. And um, it reminded me of this book, um, The Burglar's Guide to the City by uh, Jeff yes. Manning, which explained, Mana, said that wrong. Um, it explained that there was all of these um, bank robberies in Los Angeles because they kept putting banks by off ramps on the oh. freeway. <laughs> so, oh, that like, makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. <laughs> and it just was like, there was this, hu- like, it was a huge problem in Los Angeles that they had to figure out how to change that, like, there w- it was just, like, perfect for, like, coming in, grabbing money, and getting away. Um, and, like, little things like hmm. that made me so happy about reading that book. And then, like, this is all about stuff like that. So, cool. I'm very, very nice. excited. I like anything that makes me feel like I understand, like, especially cars. I don't understand cars at all. So, well, let us uh transition to your book Mm -hmm. this like amazing debut novel yeah let's talk about you um, guys didn't hate it oh (laughs) i I um I was like ten pages in and I immediately was texting Drew like let's have Julie on for sure yeah <laughs> now. oh nice um, would you tell us uh, the author approved synopsis yeah. yeah first of all I like I need to get better at that so sorry everyone <laughs> I've been doing this over and over in a really complicated and bad way and I just will just continue to do it this way um so it is. <laughs> I was like, what is it? Um, (laughs) It's narrated by a woman in her early 30s named Kat, who is thrown back into this intense memory of her 15th year by the arrival of an unexpected um, person from that time. And she, one of the reasons she's so uh, drawn to thinking about it is because her best friend at the time passed away in a sudden and tragic way. And she's kind of never reconciled that loss with herself. And also she's struggling with a drinking problem. Um, that has kind of its roots in that in that experience and in those years and in some of the experimentation and exploration and all that stuff that she was doing. So I think of it as a story really about loss and memory and also adolescence and how the person we were as a teenager kind of can really determine who we become, but we don't face that as adults. Like, yeah. or, we, or we're, we're either obsessed with it or we're not, or it's just nothing we think about. But like, where is the person where is the teenager and every adult and like, what does that have to do with how we, you know, see the world? Mm. That's perfect. Yeah. That's great. Oh, cool. It's uh, a, yeah. <laughs> <Phew. laughs> yes. Uh, that's exactly what that book's about that we read. Um, yeah. It, and it's, it's amazing. I mean, it starts and you know that the best friend is, um, is dead. Yeah. And I was curious, was there ever a, draft or or a way of thinking about the book where that was more like a source of suspense or tension yeah my agent wishes there was (laughs) Uh, but no uh, it was something that came up in conversations in the you know later in the writing process but before public before it was sold about suspense and you know, I I feel like the book should come with like a big post-it note on the front that says like, this is not a mystery. This is not a thriller. Like there's a dead girl in the jacket copy. Like, don't be confused. Uh-huh. It's not that. And I was never interested. I love a good mystery and a good thriller. There are conventions to that form and those kinds of stories that I just simply, I was maybe interested in manipulating or like touching on, but I wasn't writing one of those books. Um, I might, I might try my hand at it someday, but that's not what this is about. And for me... It had to start with Marlena's death because 
not to get too technical, but it's a story in first person about an experience of loss. If Kat had withheld the fact that Marlena dies from the reader and then had that be the reveal at the end, that would be lying. <laughs> like, that would be the most inauthentic. Like, I was interested more in grief and memory and how we tell the stories of who we are and how that's an inherently flawed and frustrating act that can never succeed, more so than I was interested in, like, traditional questions of sus- suspense. But maybe I would be a millionaire if I had <laughs> written a different... I well, mean... Well, I mean... There is a different sort of suspense instead because knowing that she died and knowing that there's these flashback, this flashback form that you have, I mean, while you read it, you, it's it's not like you know that the death is going to, where it's going to happen because there's all these places where it possibly could and you're not right. sure, like, is this the, is this the catalyzing factor that caused whatever it was yeah. um, that killed Marlena? And so you're, there's, there's, there is a little, there is still a little bit of like a different type of suspense. Yeah. I was very interested in that. Like I'm, my husband makes fun of me all the time because he says I, I have like a pathological aversion to the spoiler. Like I mean, hmm. maybe I'm saying that the wrong way. I don't give a shit about spoilers. You can tell me <laughs> any movie and be like, this is exactly what happens. And it wouldn't want, I wouldn't want to see the movie less or read the book less because for me, like the hat, like the, how you got there is the story. Like right. you can't mm-hmm. just learn that's the way a story resolves. And then that's, it's not what I read for and it's not what I watch things for. So I never really cared. And I thought that I could make the reader interested in seeing how it happened. Um, And I was hoping to do that, I think. Mm. Cat is a surprisingly unreliable narrator at moments and it sneaks up on you. We were talking about this earlier about how when you start it, it's like when you're talking to a friend who's like really good at hiding that they're drunk. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, fuck, you are wasted. Yeah. <laughs> but the fact that it sort of sneaks up on you and there are these moments where she's like, oh, I don't like I wish I didn't have to say this or like that's not actually really how it yeah. happened. And the first couple of times those moments hit, I was like, wait a minute. It's not that I can't trust her, but also I just have to pay a little bit more attention. Yeah. Yeah, I love that you said that. I th- It was funny because I wanted her to feel trustworthy, but also to be entirely unreliable at the same time. Yeah. Like, So that was a, a challenge. Like, I feel like she's doing her best to tell you the truth, but she can't because because she, huh. you know, she can't. And then she, she kind of has to go back and revise things or like try it another way because she's been lying to herself for a long time about kind of the situation she's in in the moment, I guess, with her drinking. Mostly. Yeah i i thought the um how she um gets caught up in marlena's world i thought that that was so it was something that i'd never seen before the the explanation of like how you get enmeshed in in a bunch of bad decisions in mm-hmm. a row mm-hmm. um, that you're, you don't quite see the entire thing because all you see is the space that the person's creating. Yeah. Um, really and nice uh, I'm curious, like, you know, what in your life that you, were you pulling that from? I guess. Yeah. Ooh, that's a, that's an interesting way of getting to the, like, how true is this book question <laughs> that everyone asks me. But so when I was a teenager, I was definitely like, people tend to assume that I'm, if I have a connection to a character in the book, it's Kat because she's the writer of the story or she's the teller of the story. She's the watcher. She's the one who lives in New York. She's the one who got out, whatever. Um, All those things make sense if you were to try to make that parallel. But I was actually way more of a Marlena. I was a really, really bad teenager. That's all all I can say. Um, And not that Marlena is bad or that we can, we should even use those words when we're talking about the decisions girls make when they're 
young, impressionable, but I, I was pretty wild. And I think that something that I asked myself a lot was like, why, how could I have been that way and then be the way I am now? Like, I'm like, Mm. totally, I like do my job. I get up in the morning. Like, you know what I mean? I, everything's fine. Like, and I was curious about that connection and how people can change so much, um, from the time they're teenagers and then moving forward. And then also, you know, I think one of the reasons why you start to make better decisions as you get older is what you were just talking about. Like you can't see what is coming. Mm -hmm. You think that you're kind of like living in the moment and teenagers are really smart and they sometimes um, have a sense that like they're doing something bad, but they don't really have a full sense of their future. Like what's at stake for them. And I don't think teenage mistakes are always just teenage mistakes. Like I think they sometimes have real consequences. I've seen how they have real consequences. Mm. So yeah, that's sort of a side answer to your question. It is, but I, it it touches on the uh, sort of I mean the the central point of Marlena or like the central nexus of it, mm-hmm. which is this sort of toxic female friendship. But I, like using that word also toxic, it's not necessarily true. <laughs> And it reminded me of so much, of course. I mean, she's on the cover. Lori Moore's um, Who Will Run the yeah, Frog Hospital. Yeah, one of my favorite books. That's also told in flashback. And then you also get talked to about Elena, or you get compared to Elena Ferrante as yeah. well. And that's also a flashback. Like, what, what is it about crazy. flashbacks like yeah. for this? Um, and you wrote one. So what? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I mean, again, like, I think I made a lot of choices in the writing of the book that would be considered bad choices by like any MFA program in America. <laughs> like I, to- I to- started with a death. I wrote a book in flashbacks, which like I thought I'm pretty sure I learned an MFA program, like not even to talk, <laughs> even say the word flashback. Um, I was in fact taught in grad school. I hope he will never listen to this. I'll just name to say who it was by David Lipsky. Who's an incredible teacher and a brilliant person that who will run the frog hospital is a flawed novel because the flashbacks take all the energy out of the book and it should have just been a story in Paris about a woman in a marriage that was not going the right way, which I thought was the most wrong thing I had ever heard. <laughs> and actually what I think he missed and what I was trying to get at and Marlena with the flashbacks is that in order to have a real sense of how that girlhood memory or those impressions from girlhood were like the vivid core of the narrator's life, you have to have the numb adulthood scenes for contrast and to kind of create a space in between where you see all the years that have happened since then and how this still has a hold on this woman. Yeah. Mm. Um, without it, it's just, it's, it loses its depth. So I really wanted to create those kinds of layers and echoes in time and in, you know, seeing these different versions of cat, I guess. Mm. That's really cool. And to think about the, the way that I, I just keep thinking now, uh, as you've been saying these things about like my high school self and trying to find him inside and I see him pop out every once in a while. Yeah. Um, but one thing that I really associated with, certainly with young Cat, is the way that books mm-hmm. um, subtly define her. Yeah. And like, I, I don't think I have ever read another novel that talks about books and references books in the way that I do both in writing and in conversation, mm-hmm. where they're just like peppered in. I have a list in this notebook where I like started trying to keep track can I see it afterwards? Yeah. I, I <laughs> guarantee no I did not catch all of them. Oh my but gosh, that's so cool. As I just as I was like, oh, 
that's a like some of them are very obvious where like she's reading left hand of darkness by ursula k Le Guin, and i was like oh cool oh i love the outlander reference yeah too yeah the out, that was one of my favorites because like if you knew favorites. you knew <laughs> that was a mom yeah that, <laughs> that was like everyone's mom's favorite book <laughs> yeah. and all teenagers were like what is sex <laughs> <It was> like, <laughs> everyone our age yeah <laughs> but i'm curious about how you as a writer and as a reader like find yourself layering the stuff that you're reading into like the actual works not yeah. references or like spiritual references but like yeah. this character is reading this book because yeah. you, you, there's the, some version of this where you talk about a book really obliquely and you you're like oh it's about a woman who's like has a mad woman in the attic and like <laughs> yeah. 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 you want to like talk about it like that but or there's like the direct reference yeah or or you just make up a book that like helps you in your <laughs> so, yeah. and you and you kind of took the direct reference route. Well, yeah, I guess you know there are a lot of ways of thinking about character and how you make characters feel real and how you create a first person voice that has like the full dimensions of an internal, you know, that feels as real to you as like your own would. And people are I think what they read has a lot to do with how they see the world and you know, I moved a lot as a kid and I remember places by what I was reading at the time. Um, cool. It's like just like a weird spatial or like what's what are those things called? Like memory, memory palaces where you put yeah, memory palace. Right. Yeah, yeah. Where you put a memory in a place with a specific object or something and it helps you recall it. A lot of my the way I think is like related to that. So when I was thinking about Kat, it didn't make sense to me to create a voice that wouldn't interact with the things that she was reading and help use it to help, you know, see where she is in the world. And then, you know, also Kat it's cat is telling this story i mean i think of her as like a person who's trying to figure out how to tell a story as an act of empowering herself and and even like moving on so mm. as she's thinking about it i think she's thinking about the writer she's been in conversation with or the books that have had something to do with how she made her way through her life i guess um but yeah does that yeah that, that's, that's, that is that's very cool i that, thought it was neat too that she if i remember it correctly I don't think she's ever reading anything as an adult. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah, 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 yeah. Like that sense of, I have friends like that who like were huge readers as kids and something happens where they stop. It's like, isn't what? that so, why did you stop? Isn't that so scary? My mom is like that. She read when I was a little kid, but she completely stopped. And huh. it's just like, how could you have like such an obsessive habit? And then it makes me scared. Like, what yeah. if I just like, <laughs> yeah, I know. how would I live? Uh, yeah. What, what, what's going to be the sever? Yeah. Uh, what Ooh. happens? Do you just like, lose your ability to <laughs> never mind <laughs> no sorry. so you finally just read one book and you're like nope yeah that I was so bad no, no never it, again it's or the other thing so great yeah it's you so finish great, it and you're yeah. like well I, that's it yeah i'm done reading yeah. <laughs> maybe that's it uh <laughs> let's take a break yeah Hello and welcome to what is a Patreon.com ad for Alicia. Uh, yeah, we launched a Patreon. And it'd be really cool if you wanted to give us a, a certain dollar amount a month. You can recommend things. We might send you stuff in the mail at a certain level. Or you can just pay a dollar a month uh, and get access to everything. We do some writing. We've got some little bonus episode type things. And uh, we can't wait to share that with the uh, with you super fans out there. So if you consider yourself like... a super fan of so many damn books uh maybe you could help us out if yeah. not whatever that's cool too keep listening uh yeah, we've got cool stuff coming up so stay tuned thanks
Oh yeah, let's it's book club time. Let's talk to book club. Let's talk um Eden Lepecky. Here we are back in her capable hands. Woman number 17 though. Do, Drew, do you want to talk about what it's about or or do you want to tell us why you brought it to us? Uh Julie, it's up to you too. To I decide. guess well, the little synopsis for anybody who hasn't read it, it's um alternating narration these two women one is uh a recently separated mom in hollywood mm-hmm. and the she other a, is she has her, a young son she has and a young son and an 18 year old 18 yeah. year old son who is, is selective mutism selective yeah. mute and then uh her her au pair her nanny who she hires right at the beginning of the book is the other narrator who's like just out of college uh, and has some questionable artistic intentions. Yes, she does. And it's the two of them sort of intersecting over the course of um, a little while. Right. But also, she hires the nanny because, or lady, the the mother, hires the nanny because she's working on a memoir about oh, yeah. her son's disability, I right. guess. Um, yeah, she doesn't like saying it's a disability. She doesn't like saying it's a disability. But everybody else is like, right. it's, she, your son has a right. disability. That's a truth. Right. And like, move on. Um, why did you bring this to us? I thought it was, I mean, first of all, I loved California Eden's first book. And I was really excited to read this. And I honestly, I, and I'm going through the experience of having my first book in the world. And something really bad and scary happened to me that we were kind of referencing off in the break that you guys will never hear where I, I couldn't read. I couldn't read for like two months because I, my brain was broken and I was so stressed out about my book. I picked up woman number 17, mostly because I know Eden and I was like, Oh, I'm going to read Eden's book now. And I, I inhaled it. I read it in two days. I was mm. like, this is so smart. This is so good. This reminds me why I write, why I read. It's so like funny and dement has so many dimensions. Um, and I also brought it, I thought it'd be fun to talk about because it really grapples with interesting questions about an artist's responsibility to their material, Mm -hmm. um, how we, how artists use and manipulate the facts of reality for their own purposes and means and representation, representation of women, women's bodies, of things like, I'm using air quotes, but things like Seth's disability or his, however, his mutism, how we would talk about that, what's appropriate to say, what is appropriate for a mother to claim ownership of in her child's experience. So I thought it was like just rich in terms of like big ideas. Mm. Um, Yeah, it really is. I mean, and and I did the exact same thing. I read it over two days and it was one of those things where when I was pulled away from it in in the first day, I was sort of like mad at the thing I had to go do. It's just like, ugh. Yeah, like you're you, not as you know good I'm, as the thing I'm other thing I'm doing. Yeah, reading Eden's don't book. Don't you know I'm supposed to be reading? <laughs> um, and it's just, it was just one of these things. So you absolutely, it, I um, I, I had a moment where because it starts with, it starts in Lady. Her name is Lady. Mm-hmm. Um, it starts in her voice, and you're with her for a pretty long time before it switches into Esther's voice or S's voice. Um. And when when it switched into S's voice, I went, "Oh, damn!" Like, yeah. <laughs> like with Esther's name on top, because I totally I was not expecting to get into her mind, and I was so yeah. excited that we got to see them because they have this sort of um, they have an interview when they meet because yeah. she's going to she's trying to decide if she's going to take care of those her kids, and she's um, and Lady doesn't know what to make of her because yeah. she's so aloof and like weirdly confident and she's like wow what is it about this girl and then you get to esther's side it's like oh she's drunk yeah yeah <laughs> right right it's it's one of those 
things it's a little hard to talk. I don't want to like give anything away. No. I don't care about spoilers, so I would that's always really, give them away. That's really early on. Yeah. But I'm just saying like, it, and the book really constantly does that and will pull yeah. the legs under not because like perspective is everything. Right, right. And we see it in like things like, I mean, the book is named Woman Number 17 after an image that was taken of Lady by her sister-in-law and has sort of like questionable... It came into being in a kind of questionable way and influenced her marriage in kind of a questionable way. And I think it's the way that Eden like teases out that information is so fascinating and also just like the mark of a really mm. smart ass novelist. Yeah. It does sort of function as like an anti noir. It has the atmosphere, the Chandler esque LA smoggy thing, but it, it, inverts nearly every trope of almost purposefully it feels like it like it wants to look at the way that women in those in that sort of uh universe would interact without yeah. the like the gumshoe running around in the background yeah mm. that's interesting well and i mean i feel like i can't go a single episode these days without representing patricia highsmith but it just felt it felt like at one point when whenever I was explaining the book to someone, I would say like, "Yeah, I think someone's gonna kill somebody." You know? I know, <laughs> especially with there's so many like you know there's like something unexpected. There's a pool and something drowns in it oh, in that yeah. way, and it's just like these are the sorts of things that you're just like, "Oh, that's like that's a harbinger of right." Death there's on a the way. real feeling of menace, like yeah. every the, turn the, uh, in the book. What do they call the houses of, on the ridge oh. above them? It's not the watchers, oh, oh. the eavesdroppers, yes. eavesdroppers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like even that, you're just sort of like. What book am I reading? Yeah. Yeah. And even the way that technology and social media is used, like you keep thinking that like something is going to come in through that chant, like that it's yeah. existing kind of layered onto the narrative that you're reading that something bad is going to happen in that. And something kind of bad, I mean, kind of does, but like not in the way that you think. Right. It's, it's much more, it's an ordinary kind of badness, yeah. not the sort of like... Not supernatural. Right. It's like about, it's really like a book about, it feels like every person is having an experience that is like something that could very easily happen to you or someone that you know, except maybe S's project. Yeah. S's project is really crazy. Yeah. Um, (laughs) It's like too crazy. And it brings up one of my first questions or what I want to ask you two. It's just like, um, creating art in novels is tough. Like a novel where they're actually going to be like making art. I remember in A Little Life, there was like, a lot of talk about like the creation of I can't remember who is the photographer, but um, not Jude. No, and not and, <laughs> and not, not Jude's Willem. part. Yeah, <laughs> uh, one JB. of the other ones. JB. Yeah, yeah, yeah. JB uh, is a photographer. And Malcolm's the architect. Yeah. Yes. JB and also he's a painter and he, and like that was really well done and sometimes it's great and sometimes you're just like it's just terrible um and and it's the worst part of the book but this this sort of art I believed that you were supposed to be questioning whether or not it was good from the very beginning. I thought that was really cool. She had so much fun with it. Mm -hmm. I mean, that Tevis project that S does, that's just like insane. And the fact that it's conceptual art and not like visual art, I think made it so much more dynamic because it's like, it has a scenic quality. Like you're reading to find out what the art project is. You're not just getting a description of like, you know, it reminded me of, um, one of my, favorite books kevin wilson's the family fang i haven't read that but the, like i just i love the way that he layers in these moments of the story behind that is like these parents are these renowned conceptual artists and they used their children 
as their art pieces, basically. That's good. And so every once in a while, like, there's a, a section break, and it just it describes one of their pieces. But in that way, we're like, in order to describe um, that kind of art, you ha- it has to be narrative. You yeah, exactly. It's not a description. You have to just tell exactly how it plays out. Right. Um, there's a point where um, S is asking for uh, feedback on the art. And she says, well, you don't know the full story. And it's just like, yeah, no, no that's one art. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, that's the whole point lady. Um, but <laughs> one of the main things is this female friendship that's at the center, but it's like, it's much different because the age difference is so great. And, and I love a, I love a depiction of like that type of, friendship can can some can people of two different ages be friends like that do you guys think or like was that never a friendship in your eyes while you were reading it what do you think Drew? i mean i did think i thought that they were friends but in that way that sometimes friendships are uneven and unequal and i think that it was it was both of them thought that they had the upper hand in the relationship right like in a way kind of neither of them did it's funny. I I saw it as more of like a weird like surrogate mother power play. Like I felt that S wanted like a mother that was I don't know. I might have been I, I might have been reading too much into it or having my own mother issues, but there are so many mothers mother issues in this book that are like so juicy and fraught. And I mean juicy in like the fun to read page turnery sense, but also that are like tr- feel emotionally complicated and like like let's talk about how it, how these relationships are not just always like, I support you, you support me, I do, you know. Right. Um, but I thought in S's kind of like experimenting with taking on her mother's behaviors and then having this relationship with Lady where she's like lying to her, but she's also sort of looking up to her, but she's also kind of disdainful of her. And I don't know, I felt there was almost like a mother-daughter thing, even to the two of them, as well as like a bond that was real. Um, well, and I think that, I think that, lady resents being the mother right even in that yeah she also wants to still be the she she's like she mad wants that to be she, the child too. she wants yeah. to be the child in that friendship sometimes and and wants s to be um it, something more than she can be right 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 everybody sort of wants to be i think it's largely about everybody wants to be parented in some way yeah. in this book with I think maybe like the exception of Seth, who's kind of the only one who's like, I just want to live my life, right? Yeah. Like I want people to stop pro- projecting onto yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. Whereas everyone else, I mean, even Lady's husband, there are these moments where like someone is looking out in a maternal way for somebody else, or they want somebody to be looking out for them in a maternal way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or they're like pissed at someone for failing them for like not doing. Yeah. I mean. I, I won't give anything away, but there's an there's a scene. The reason that I that took this, me from like really really liking this book to actually like loving this book is there's this little delicate gesture at the end where between Lady and one of her kids that like blew my mind because I felt like it brought together like all those strands and complicated ideas about motherhood and said something like incredibly emotionally. I'm talking about a thing that I can't tell you guys because <laughs> because you should read it. Really. You should read it's, it. Yeah, you should really read, read it, it so that you can feel exactly what I felt. But it's like so. There's no. There are no easy answers to like what it means to be a good mother, a bad mother. You know, a good daughter, a bad daughter. Right. Any of those things. Um, it's just smart. 
I, I there were some there was just so many good little like characterizations just like the um just you know lady and her husband's uh love of going to these um chain restaurants together yeah yeah pf <laughs> yeah um and like her going because she loves it and him sort of like ironically appreciating and just like that sort of She's like, well, I can still go, though, so it's yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah, that almost felt like a little bit of the, the interesting kind of, like, class things, like, I thought. Because Lady's, like, new to this, a little bit newer to this, like, incredibly wealthy, like, super. So it makes sense that she could, like, see P.F. Chang's for it, what it is. And yeah. He, yeah. Would, he would only see it ironically, you know? Yeah, he's just seeing, like, a glaring sign that does, just says, like, a cultural appropriation, yeah, the restaurant. right, right. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was disappointed in some ways by the ending, in but not, not in, like, a big major way, but just I wonder if there was no way for you to end this book satisfactorily because, like, there's so many rich threads and so many different things for you to be looking at that, like... She like ending one thread really leaves like seven others sort of unraveled because there was so much that she was up to. That's interesting. Mm. I mean, I it, guess it's a satisfying ending. Like things, it feels satisfying in, in in a lot of ways. But I just felt like there was like some other stuff that I would have liked her to get to as well. Right, like a different like some things you wanted concluded. It's yeah. funny. Like I I felt like the emotional end of the book was the page was like the. 305 like two pages before the actual like literal mm-hmm. end of the book yeah. with the characters like I I felt I, I, I thought that was like a knockout mm-hmm. and then I thought it was really kind of like subversive and interesting that this uh, I don't I, I don't want to say because again I don't want to give it away but like I felt we were left in a question in a place of questioning the actual existence of the novel as a work of art and what it means to have this thing about these characters like we were questioning the function of art and like what mm-hmm. art does and what we're looking at and our own judgments about the characters and then there's a little space. epilogue that gives you a different like thing to think about yeah. instead <laughs> yeah 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 i liked it i really liked it because i i wasn't expecting it because the novel does move towards i felt like it was a, a relatively expected conclusion Mm. Story, like stories wrapped up in ways that I was like, this makes sense. I, it's not necessarily that I predicted it, but it felt like, oh yeah, okay, uh-huh, that, it's clean, it's tidy, headed, yeah. sure, sure, sure. And then you turn the page and you were like, yeah, and I was like, oh, there's there's one more little. Th- it's like it's the post credit sequence or something, in a way that you're just like, wait, what? Yeah, it's an episode what? tag. It's the care. It's like, well, and it's the character that you can't make sense of. I mean, fully, yeah. right? Because you can't, she... Well, she, do, she's she not, doesn't... She, yeah. She's not fully formed yet. She doesn't know. and But, like, the kind of question that you would have had without that kind of episode tag, so to speak, mm-hmm. is, like, who was she? And you still don't get an answer, but you get, like, a gesture towards the fact that her... I felt it was, like, validating for her. I was like, oh. That's so funny. I thought the real. opposite. You thought the opposite? Interesting. <laughs> because I thought it... Yeah, because... Uh, we can't really talk about this. It's oh, like it's, it's so sad. You yeah. guys gotta read it. Yeah, you do. Just, it's, yeah. just, just read, this read book. it. It's cool. But we'll talk about it off. There's the mic. so Don't many se- like there's so many things to discover. Yeah, there really are. I also I would love to hear from someone if they read this book and are infuriated by the ending because I I know that that reader is out there who oh, gets yeah. this and is just like are you fucking kidding? But me? that's something about this book that's so like there's so many things readers are gonna be like I like I don't like these women <laughs> like God yeah. that's like the number people say that to me about my book all the time but it's like there's so many things I feel like Eden just was like 
fuck it. I'm, yeah. This is what I'm like. These are the women I'm writing about. I'm going to let them be sloppy and selfish and messy and have all their full. And it makes it so good. Yeah, it really does. It really does. Why don't we, uh, why don't we recommend other books that we like? Yeah. Do you want to, do you want to start? Uh, we read some pretty cool books. We recommend you take a look. Yeah. Do you want to start? No. <laughs> I can start. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. I have loved so many books lately. There's a book coming out on July 11th called Goodbye Vitamin by Rachel Kong. That is good as hell. It is so tender and funny and smartly written. And this is a corny thing to say. And I think people say say this a lot about novels, but it it has like so much heart. Mm. It's just a big, generous novel with a lot of heart. And it's actually very short, but like it feels emotionally big. And I truly loved it. Um, So I recommend that. I also recently read Chemistry uh, by Waikie Wang and thought that was great and so funny I and seeing it the cover is very arresting yeah the bright yellow cover it's really good i love this book called the animators by kayla ray whitaker that came out in january um and is about kind of some of the same questions that are in Ian's book about art and representation and who gets to tell whose story also female friendship also competitiveness um between female friends it's beautiful and lush and big and great actually as big it's totally long um <laughs> And, you know, a little weird novel that I, I brought up with you guys in our email thread, uh, Good Morning Midnight by Jean Reese, which yeah. I should have read while I was working on Marlena because it's about an alcoholic. Uh, but it's like the best book about an alcoholic I've ever read because there is no narr- there is no narrative present. Her whole existence is fractured and like broken apart and you kind of can never n- tell where she is or where you are. And I thought it was like really, really subversive and good. Cool. Um, so those are mine. Wow. I don't watch anything. I don't watch TV or movies that much. <laughs> so I have nothing else. That's no, it. That's, a, that's an awesome <laughs> list. Um, that's, that's great. Yeah. Uh, Drew? Um, my old boss, my mentor, a very good friend of mine, Jeremy McCarter, uh, his book is finally out. It's called Young Radicals. And uh, it is about five young radicals starting from... 1912 going through basically 1922 uh and it's it's non-fiction but it reads narratively it reads like a novel and it the the prologue or the the introduction and the epilogue he sort of he ties it into our present mm-hmm. moment cool. and he's like i spent six years writing this book and wondering what it must be like to fight passionately for your ideals and feel like this better world is around the corner and then see it brutally snatched away from you and, they, and he was like, I turned the book into my editor. Everything was good. And then I woke up on November 8th and was like, oh, this is what it feels like. <laughs> and just the way that the book has all of a sudden, I, I helped him do research on it. And the way that it all of a sudden is so much more topical than it he ever could have imagined. Um, but it's also just like, it's a great nonfiction read. Mm. Uh I'm really proud of him. It's yeah. really good. Good. Cool. Uh, it sounds great. I'm yeah. very excited about it. Nonfiction that reads like a novel is all I need to hear. Yeah, it's really it's so nice when that happens yeah. instead of being like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Christopher? I read Carlo Knazgard's My Struggle Book One 
a long time ago, back when that first came over and it was really exciting and people talked about it a lot. Um, and that, and I actually kept buying them without reading them. I just kept buying them as they came out just like, yeah, like I like the first one and here's another one and it's, (laughs) it's used. So why not? Um, and then I had four more to read. And so I finally read book two in my struggle and it's, First of all, it's so much faster and fleeter than book one, even though it's longer. And it's it's amazing. It it really um I I know that the, like there's a there's a lot of weirdness about the cult of Knazgard and like the way that people feel about him, but like he can write the hell out of like sequences that I feel like other people just wouldn't even try to touch. Mm-hmm. Um like he goes to uh he takes his like youngest kid to like a baby rhythm class and he just talks about how much he hates everyone there and hates <laughs> like that babies exist and he's just like mad but like he's also like but like the woman who teaches this class is really attractive and uh that's going to keep me here I guess and just like it's putting all that on the page and letting his thoughts be like ugly for a while but like also see like his actions are still like often like of a very like thoughtful good person too it's very interesting like that he lets both things live on the page that's like nothing has gotten me to read Canasgard, but that is going to get me to read it <laughs> i've heard people talking about it for so long and i'm like no Mm-mm. now i'm like that was so so like <laughs> uh, i i definitely um if you haven't been interested you don't lose anything at all by skipping to book two. And, and I really feel like he falls in love a lot. It like he falls deeply in love um, in this book. And it, it really, it's, it's a joy to read it in, in a lot of ways. That might get me to finally read it. Uh, so Good I work. recommend that. Nice. Good work. A cool. plus recommendation. <laughs> I did friend. Um, and we all did it. We did. We've reached the end of our episode now. We did. Yay. You did You did as well? Yeah, we did it. Thanks for stopping to make a drink earlier in the show. Yeah, good job, you guys. Good Thank job, listeners. And And Julie, yeah, thanks for your coming. book is amazing. Thanks, guys. Everybody really needs to go out and buy Marlena right now. It's incredible. And it's also kind of, even though it's a uh, darkish read, I think it's a great summer read in a lot of ways. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. So, uh, it's just always nice, too, when a book lives up to the hype. Yes. Thanks. Yeah. There's nothing worse than when a book doesn't. You gotta know I'm feeling.